Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1977. The album is Lily Tomlin on stage, the artist, of course, Lily Tomlin, and my guest is Mary Birdsong. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. I know this took a million years to plan and, and schedule, and I apologize for that, but look, y- you picked an album that I owned, and I've never heard, so you forced me to listen to something. That's so good. Isn't it great? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like half theater, half comedy. Mm-hmm. It's not like a traditional stand-up album. Right. It's, it almost feels like, I don't know, uh, immersive or yeah. something, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. of all the audio landscape, man. <laughs> there's so much, too, about, like, there's one thing you don't ever get on a comedy album that you get on plenty of TV specials, which is the behind-the-stage stuff. And at the beginning of this, even though there's a little bit of, like, actual fake, like, introduction and stuff, I'm pretty sure that's actually audio of her getting ready to go out. Yeah, isn't that great? She's yeah. like, oh, I need a blow, I need a blow dry. Yeah, like, yeah, So she probably just washed her <clears> hair. <throat> mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> And she's nervous. Yeah. You can, and you can hear the actual crowd. Yeah. That was something I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, just cool about comedy albums in general. Sure. Do you... I'm curious. I mean, you must know more about comedy albums than anybody. Not necessarily, but... Is it is it standard to sweeten the... That's actually something we've discussed, because I don't know. Yeah, I don't know um, either. That would make me really sad. That, there would be no Santa Claus if that's true. Right, right, but, right. I you know I get it if they do do it. But. I think I think the and again I could, I could be I'll be corrected on this for anybody who's who's edited any of those. But I think honestly the sweetening is more along the lines of editing, putting in a a, a take a better take from a better night. You know uh-huh, uh-huh. that's my guess, which I'm fine with. Yeah, I, I I could be wrong, but at least you genuinely got that laugh, and it wasn't like here's a shit joke that I pumped <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You know I I don't think there is. This is so. But the, the thing about this too is I that I can't tell is like. I think there are some edits because she's talking to herself and all through most of it, you know, like she's doing her own characters back mm-hmm, and forth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some of them seem so fast. I wonder if they've cut that together, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. It'd be an interesting sort of behind the scenes to interview her. Oh yeah, about... believe me, we've been trying. Um, yeah, as you should <laughs> keep trying. My God, um, you should make Lilu. There's a cat here named Lilu, by the way. I don't know if she's made an appearance before. She has made plenty of appearances and covered people in cat hair. That is well, her job. That's what she does. It's great. I have two cats, so mm-hmm. when I go home, they're going to be like, what the fuck were you doing? <laughs> Who's Lilu? <laughs> that whore. <laughs> My first thing listening to this was like, first of all, I wasn't expecting any sort of sketch elements to it. You know, I didn't know what to expect, even though I know her character. So my first impression was it's kind of like Whoopi Goldberg's one woman mm-hmm, show, mm-hmm. which I really love. Yeah, me too. It's so... Is that Fontaine? Why am I... Why am I mad or yeah 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 i have that one as well that was hell i almost picked that one actually we haven't done that in years like it was like the first year or two of the show uh jesse thorne picked that and we talked about it for an hour and it was just like that was kind of mind-blowing to me because i miss old whoopee i do too (laughs) you know what what happened to that i I don't know she was a phenomenal i mean not Mm -hmm. just a phenomenal comic but a really great i mean color purple sure like but yeah but especially that sort of sketch stuff yeah yeah like when she's the Jamaican lady and she's putting on the p- barbecue potato chip for eyeshadow. <laughs> it's so good. And this, uh, this though, like, this is her third... Okay, so this is her third album. I obviously had to do a little research. What's funny is her first two both came out in 1972. Her first 
2 both came out. And oh, wow. I think because the first one was such a big hit, they're like, well, fuck it, let's rush right. another one. You know, that's right. my assumption. And then she waits five years and puts this out. But this one's, I don't know, it's so, because I don't know her other albums. Have you listened to her other albums? Or is this one? I have Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Okay, okay. Um, which is very similar. I almost, I want to say that there's repeat material. Really? Okay. But I could be wrong about that. I almost feel like this was like uh, becoming that. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I see what you're but saying. But I, I could be wrong, but it, it does seem like they were starting to write that without knowing it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, and because of the whole like Jane Wagner thing. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think if she's done comedy albums without Jane Wagner. Right, right. I don't know. And I, I, the, I would need to know. Yeah, I, I need to do a little bit more research, of course. You know, there's a few things too that ring so interesting. I love the bit about her teacher, and I'm pretty sure this is before she was openly gay. Yes. You know, she was out, out of the closet. It's so sweet. Like it's the most adorable thing. And I don't when know. I should have been covering Lake Michigan Blue. <laughs> That's the other thing too is I just love her voice work in it. It's so beautiful. Yeah. You know, there's so much range. And such an interesting voice too, because she'll go, because she has this sort of like, and then I thought, why not? And I thought, like it's like very theatrical mm-hmm. and sort of, uh, you know, elevated. And and then in the very next sentence, you know, it's I don't want no motherfucking autograph. <laughs> <laughs> and like nobody, I don't. I feel like there weren't many. There, were, I can't think of any women back then who were doing that. Mm-mm. I mean, not, not even, well known even enough. Even for sure. a woman to play basically some black homeless dude mm-hmm. who's saying he's just in that alley to pee. Like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, for 77, right. that was pretty punk rock. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, now it's pretty like, oh yeah, whatever. Sure. Well, that was the other thing too, is listening to it, is I'm like, this is what every one person show, regardless of gender, has been trying to imitate for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's even like I she know, that that elevated tone you're talking about is intentional, and she's having fun with it. But I feel like there's some people who might have heard it and been like, oh, "This is my calling." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my story's interesting too. Yeah. <laughs> when I don't think a lot of people realize. She's telling them like the simplest, relatable stories. It's not like I had these huge tragedies as a kid, and here's what's funny about it. It's like, no, this is life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and I do. I think she just, she walks that really fine line. That Like, and I, I don't know about other people you've had on here, but I know for me, you know, sometimes uh, doing what I do, which is mostly just like comedic acting as mm-hmm. opposed to stand-up or even, I mean, I used to do sketch. I used to do improv, but sure. not anymore. And so sometimes people don't know what to make of that. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like they don't know where to put you. It's like, well, are you on a sitcom or do you what? Do you tell jokes? What? <laughs> and she does that weird thing of like playing all these parts mm-hmm. and and being and like being such. It's almost like a history lesson about the '60s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so of its time, mm-hmm. and yet. It's weird because I feel like she's so specific with the characters that yeah. it transcends the sort of um, the currentness of it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Because it's this girl in this little window of you know the sixties, and like just mm-hmm. hearing today, I was I was listening again to there's this character she plays that is getting stoned and. Um, and she's talking about all the people who are getting assassinated. And she's like, I can't keep track anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, like, wow, do I relate to that? Like, who would not relate to that right now? Mm-hmm. We can't keep track of all the mass shootings that are going on. Like, right. that's our version of that right now. Mm-hmm. We've become numb to it. And so it's, like, totally still relevant. Yeah. You know? And I don't know. 
She's amazing. She really is. I mean, well, and it also comes from being the first, the first generation raised on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, she's there's so much going on like that, <clears throat> that, and other things like that. I feel like are uh, you know, much as we might say, oh, the world's gotten so much smaller. We're so inundated with media, but like, what if? this is the first generation where media could inundate you in that way. So, like, we can say that, but, like, there was a TV generation before, you know, where, like, their parents only had radio, and then all of a sudden they're like, you know, TV's always on in the background. Yeah, you can watch a man. All of a sudden a man's on the moon. Yeah. Like, that's that's on this, uh, for our listeners at home, um, (laughs) that's on the album. She's, like, what a great way to show the, you know, the momentous occasion of the guys landing on the moon Mm -hmm. where she's, like, locked the door and she's in her room with her best girlfriend and she's smoking pot mm-hmm. you know and uh and she's like they just went there and played golf like you know <laughs> um but it's uh and i just am noticing here uh additional material by lauren michaels that is weird i didn't even i did, I did not, not i mean i've had this yeah we both had this album for quite a long time mm-hmm. and i've never noticed that um and this is my favorite part uh, special thanks in the special thanks uh, portion. Well, Al Franken, we all know and love Al Franken. Of course, Marie the K. Oh yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Roberta Klein. I don't know if that's like an inside joke, and it's really Robert Klein. <laughs> that's a good question. And he didn't want know. to be credited. I don't even want my name on that filth. <laughs> Marilyn Suzanne Miller, I think, is now a pretty uh, successful uh, TV series writer. Oh, okay, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I could be wrong about that. Um, fact checkers, get yeah, to please, work. Please do, yeah. Tweet, Richard, Tom- tweet. Richard Tomlin. That's, I don't know if her brother or dad. But the best part is, um, where did he go? Muggsy Peabody. That is fantastic. Listen, Muggsy. <laughs> like, I think that's fake. I think she just put that on. It really does seem, well, unless it's the name of a pet. Maybe it's a really good pet name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watch it turn out to be the most important record producer of the series. <laughs> I just had no idea. <laughs> Jason, are you, what are you kidding? Muggsy Peabody invented the blankety blank. Like I get emails like that all the time, so it, it, we'll find out if, if we're wrong. From a little theater off Broadway on Forty Seventh Street, it's theater time with Lily Tomlin and an all-star cast. The hour of the performance is drawing near. My cab is waiting. Won't you join me, driver? Build more theater and make it snappy. Up Broadway and across the Great White Way to 47th Street. Everywhere you look, we see throngs of theater lovers. And now, just ahead is our theater. Here we are. Uh, driver, keep the change. Hey, Mr. Theater Goer, let me help you with your car door here. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, you remember me? I'm Tess. Uh, yes, Tess, I do remember you. Tess. Hey, you do? You remember yes, me? Uh, Boy, what a great night I'm having. I got everything. My pockets may be empty, but my shopping bags are full. Good night, Tess. Hey, listen, if you yes. see Lillian Tomlinson, tell her the UFO guy told me to tell her the world is cracked. She'll understand. Tell her to spread the word. Hey, excuse me. When did you first hear this? Was this an album sitting around the house, or did something you picked up I'm yourself? I think. Um, I feel like a lot of the comedy uh, that I got exposed to early on mm-hmm. came v- by way of HBO specials. Okay, sure. I mean, the Whoopi Goldberg special was that. Mm-hmm. Gilda Radner, I'm pretty sure, was that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, wait, what did I mention? Eddie Murphy, Gilda Radner, Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Like, all of those, I was just like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I literally was like alcohol or something. I was like, oh my God, I feel weird. <laughs> I feel really weird and really good. <laughs> uh, I feel like I belong in the universe. <laughs> What's happening to me? 
Um, but yeah, I remember just being so transported by those like hour long or however long they were. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, and very traditional, just them on a stage, like not very different from like Amy Schumer's special sure. of stand up now. Um, but so I remember that. But I think I remember just hearing the album first. I don't know if I saw yeah. this one as an HBO special or as my mom, as my mom still calls it to this day. Mm-hmm. Homebox. Homebox. <laughs> we got the homebox office. <laughs> Is something good on homebox? It's my favorite ever. That is I want them to change. If I become super powerful and wealthy, I'm going to buy HBO. I'm going to tell you right now. And change the name to Homebox. It's not TV. Right. It's Homebox. Um, but yeah, and I th- I'm sure I'd seen little video clips of her somehow on Laughing. Yeah, sure. Um, but again, this would have been before... Uh, I mean, it was in college when I really, I think, discovered okay. this. Okay, okay. And that was pre-internet. Sure. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm so old. Um, I, j- I think about that now. Like, I remember I went to NYU, mm-hmm. to School of the Arts... God only knows how much money I was scraping together working three jobs to go right. there. And uh, and I remember, like, I had to write a paper, and I didn't have a typewriter, so you could, like, go to the Loeb Student Center and, uh-huh. like, you know, sign out for an electric typewriter. That was just state-of-the-art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> man. Were you getting your, were you buying your records, or were you getting them? Cause, you know, for instance, Jesse Thorne, who did the show and talked about Whoopi Goldberg, like, his memory came from, well, I would go to the library, and the one thing I would check out all the time was Whoopi Goldberg. The library was a big, yeah, it was a big deal. The mm-hmm. library and the, like, 35 albums for a penny club. Sure, of th- course. Then you'd be like, I'm moving to Mexico, because I owe them. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to make good on this deal. Of course, of are course. They fucking, are they suckers? Yes. <laughs> you know they're thinking about starting that up again. Specifically, I think for vinyl because of vinyl. That now that I would do. Yeah, and then hopefully not have to run to Mexico again. Yeah, but I I I remember feeling such guilt (coughs) over that. Yeah, like I got. I think I'm pretty sure that some, some they were eight tracks at one point. Okay, getting sure. And I was like, they're never going to see any money for these. (laughs) But then I just felt guilty. But um, so it would have been college, and so the library was one thing. But I tended to go not just to the I. Like I said, NYU, uh, New York City. Um, I didn't go to the New York Public Library so much as I went to the Lincoln Center Library. Okay. All right. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, when I found out about that, like if anybody here is listening from New York City and, you, and you're doing this, you know, sort of any kind of spoken word or, or music or anything, you know, as your art, as your career, definitely just like get a cot and stay at Lincoln Center <laughs> Library. You could just like, you could photocopy sheet music That's and just awesome. sit there for hours and check out records. And again, the guilt, mm-hmm. a big influence on Lily Tomlin, I found out, I don't know how I found out about it, was uh, Ruth Draper. Okay. I don't know that name. This is getting super hardcore, no, this super is good. nerdy. This is nerdy good. boner, nerdy boner. <laughs> um, but I remember, yeah, reading or hearing her say that Ruth Draper was this huge influence on her when she was growing up as a little girl in Detroit. Okay. Which I also think was a big probably influence on her as far as being a comedian like getting exposed to all those weird sort of canadian influences and southern and industrial and you know black people and all kinds of weird ethnic types moving in Mm -hmm. um and and so yeah lincoln center you would go and check out these albums and i checked out a bunch of ruth draper cassette tapes okay and she was a monologist all um, right 
in I think the 40s. Okay. She might have even died in the 40s or 50s. Okay. But she was unbelievably unusual in that she came from a sort of well-to-do family, like a doctor sort of, you know, was her dad. And, you know, so an educated, like, good family, quote-unquote, and she became an actress, which was very scandalous in itself. And she toured all over the world and performed her own original monologues that she never wrote down. Jesus. And she did all of these different characters, um, you know, like New England, uh, old, late, just, and some of them are genuinely, like, they're still funny. They mm-hmm. still hold up. That's awesome. And uh, and they're very sort of traditional, like, the way she has them structured and set up. And But she's so in that camp. It's easy to see how Lily Tomlin was made from, you know, three parts Ruth Draper to uh-huh. two parts this, you know. Because she just, I mean, there's these really long monologues. Are they personal, like personal stories, or are they something else? No, she's like, well, I'm having my language lesson. Come in, come in, yes, come in. You know, and it's just like this super, you know, fake uh, rich woman who's getting an Italian lesson. Okay, all right. You know, and and usually the the women she's um, playing, I think they were all women. I don't think she did men, but... um, they're almost always the butt of the joke, mm-hmm. but you also just really love them. Yeah. Um, there's one called Southern Girl at a Dance where you you hear through her these three different guys coming up and asking her to dance. Awesome. Okay. And you find out what they do for a living, and she's just very charming. Well, isn't that wonderful? You know, I've always wanted to be a doctor. Of course, I couldn't be a doctor because I'm a woman. But anyhow, and, and then like, and then at the end, spoiler alert. Like, this one guy with this one particular job comes up, and mm-hmm. she just is a totally different woman, and she's very <laughs> authentic, and, like, it's just, I don't know, it's pretty... That's great. ...amazing, and apparently it was it was only, like, because she was very, very old, I think, and was going to die soon, that somebody that was a good friend of hers forced her, basically, to record them, because there was wow. no written text at all. Jesus. I mean, she went to Kentucky and did these for coal miners in, mm-hmm. like, super-duper small towns. Oh, my God. She performed for royalty in Europe. Um, she just went everywhere. That's she just wanted to perform. Yeah. And, like, especially by herself. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Right, this right, wasn't right. like a vaudeville act where she had like some right. big guy to protect her. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah. Uh, and again, anybody like, you know, especially the gals out there who are studying acting, like it's it's pretty amazing because she's just, that's what I love about Lily Tomlin too. Mm-hmm. And Whoopi for that matter. Sure. They just disappear. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, and I don't know why we don't get to do that more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially in Los Angeles. Right. Um, and that really bums me out because that's my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, you would think a town full of people, you know, for a town that is not given credit for any of its theater. I think it's <laughs> it's not a theater town, but it also, there's a lot of theater here, so it could be a theater town, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also tons of actors who just want to get fucking out there, want to get the exposure. I, you would think that something like this could take hold. Yes. Not just storytelling, but what you're talking about, which is monologuing. And I, yeah. I that's a good point. So I don't think I've ever seen any, maybe once. I saw a lady play Mar- Marlena Dietrich once. But Ooh. that was, yeah, and she was great. She was fantastic. Would, wait, 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 we'd like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great and you know you fall in love with her and it's just like it's so immersive just what you're talking about they disappear um do you want to hear my marlene D- marlene dietrich song yes okay this is from a 
Go see what the boys in the back room will have and tell them I'm having the same. Yeah, see what the boy. <laughs> but then there's the better one. Uh, see those shoulders broad and glorious. See that smile, that smile's notorious. You can bet your life the man's in the Navy. <laughs> P.S. She's doing that in a head, like super sexy full white, like, Navy sailor outfit. Of course, of course, of course. You know, coming down a banister in, like, a big pub with all these guys drinking. Oh, God, you know. that's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, if I rule the world soon, mm-hmm. there will be more of that in L.A. Um, and, in fact, like, I just recently, um, I got all, like, excited and ahead of myself and posted on Facebook, like, this is my production company, and this is what it's going to be like, and we're going to have a big theater, and who's in? You mm-hmm. know? I'm like, shit, now I need to get a space. Right, yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, I mean, my dream is to have, like, uh, almost like, sort of like what UCB has done. Mm-hmm. Um, they now have the Lincoln Center of <laughs> yeah. of improv. Mm-hmm. That It's the Met. It's like the Metropolitan Museum of right, Improv. Right. It's huge. It's beautiful. It's a great facility. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I really crave out here is a place for people that I almost think of, like... Um, like Orson Welles and the Mercury yeah, Theater, yeah, yeah. or Christopher Guest's gang, sure. or Mel Brooks's, oh, you know, yeah. posse. Like, and I've been really lucky a few times in my life to get connected with a group of performers where we just, I mean, I don't. It's it's surprising we didn't have sex with each other, you know, <laughs> constantly like a Fleetwood yeah. Mac kind of. Mm-hmm. But I think we just weren't like beautiful enough to make that look sexy and appealing i think it just would have been awkward and um but you know that like love fest when you just can't wait to go you know play and and perform with these people and um i just love that i mean and we're in the middle of pilot season right now so you know and i'm super lucky that i'm even getting to go on auditions because a lot of people can't right um they don't have that access or whatever but so much of it honestly it's, oh, I'm going to be a downer now. <laughs> but so much of it is so not that, like, immersion and being right. somebody else. It's literally, like, I can walk and talk and look attractive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and look, you know, roll my eyes at my old fat husband <laughs> that I'm mysteriously married to, even though I'm 25 and a size zero. <laughs> you know, it. it's just, I don't know, it's just, it just does not, like, get me excited. House is out. And... She's there. so glamorous. I used to imagine myself going out of the theater at night, leaving the stage door, and finding stage door persons waiting. (laughs) Silk top hats, limousines, bouquets of flowers. I imagined myself throwing sable aside and wending my way through throngs of adoring autograph seekers. Last night when I left the theater, I don't want no fucking autograph! 
does it? Do you think it has to do with people learning sitcom acting from sitcoms rather than learning acting from theater and then going on to sit- maybe? But I a think more. Bit? It's like I think it's um, it's probably partly our time because look, there used to be All in the Family, sure, Mary Tyler Moore. Like there yeah. were great character actors who, you know really did they were immersed in those characters and you know mr grant was mr grant yeah you know um and and the writing was so great Mm -hmm. and i think they took a lot of risks like all in the family was really really on the edge for its time yeah and now i don't know i just uh i think with you know obviously with new um you know cable shows and and internet-based shows like actually there's some cool stuff happening sure but even still i feel like People in LA and the film and TV industry are almost like suspicious if you're not being yourself. Like, yeah. you're not really a cowboy. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, the only place that that's kind of accepted and approved um, is, you know, SNL. Yeah. Or, you know, Key and Peele or, or like places that are like, this is a sketch show and we're all going to suspend our disbelief. Yeah. But there's very few shows that have that sort of heightened reality Mm -hmm. but i do like that i'm seeing that more sure i like that i'm seeing kind of bizarro you know um weird ass sort of conceits and scripts and stuff Mm -hmm. because i feel like we're ready for it like Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like am i wrong i feel like in europe um like in british tv they don't they're not so, like, realism-obsessed. Sure. Oh, absolutely right. Like, yeah. when did, like, TV become an art director's medium? Like, it's <laughs> I, like... Yeah. I mean, that's amazing sure. what they do. Like, I love going on a set. And, and like, I, I just was very lucky. I got to do this um, Lena Dunham pilot for HBO mm-hmm. called Max, which is was so well-written and so funny. Uh-huh. And, um, but it, it took place in 1963, so like just the desks oh, and the little yeah. like weird machines that we didn't even know what they did. Of course, yeah. We were like a bunch of monkeys walking around like, <laughs> um, but, and it was just unbelievable the amount of detail yeah. and like those guys really know their stuff. Like any little object I pointed to, he's like, oh, that's a stamp XJ7 modulator thing they use for <laughs> filing in the night, you know. But, um... But I do, I wish there was more room on television for, like, very low budget. Mm-hmm. You know, I always go back to that famous Bob Odenkirk uh, quote. What is it about, like, Monty Python, that when when he slammed his his foot for the silly walk, like, you could see the, the walls move. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you, you watch the walls shake, and you didn't care. Yeah. In fact, it was better that you knew it was fake, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I really, I don't know. I am... Putting a call to action. <laughs> More fake shaky walls. <laughs> there is. I mean, that's uh, that's not a bad point because it, there's this. <laughs> you, you've got to obviously you've got to balance one out with the other. So you've got to have wonderfully amazing talented actors stomping their feet because you can go to. And this is not to shit on YouTube. <coughs> YouTube, not that it's been kind to me, but it's been kind to some people I care about. <laughs> so like, not everybody, but it is a sea of everyone. Anybody can put their shit in there. So, you know, all of those people with their shaking walls, it's hard. You've got to have people who really, really, really know what they're doing, yes. you know. <coughs> and it is weird. It almost feels like, you know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the, you know, the extremely wealthy and the extremely poor. Sure. But but with creativity, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, that um, there are really fucking talented people and incredibly smart. And then there's like, stupid, stupid, <laughs> awful, awful <laughs> junk. Mm-hmm. 
that is getting billions of views. Yeah. Whereas, That's disturbing. Whereas, like, this this album makes me think, like, who is there anybody who, at the height of their film stardom, would do this and slash could do this? Like, just do a one-person show? It's weird, It's weird, right? I mean, she'd been doing it, and it's what got her famous, but to continue doing it when you're, you know... Yeah. she I read she turned down doing... Uh, what's the name of her operator character? What's the character's name? Oh, Ernestine? Yeah, she turned down, supposedly, in the 70s, a half million dollar contract to do that character for AT and T because she didn't want to fuck with the character. That's see, that's amazing. Yeah, in the seventies. So fuck. I mean, like this woman's intense. Like it makes me respect her a million times more because I wouldn't have the guts to do it to turn that down. I don't think. No, and much I think like I'm an tomorrow artist. we're gonna turn the TV on and it's gonna be like some super like IMAX computerized Ernestine, you know, like, <laughs> Lily was finally like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm old. Well, I mean, you know, she. what else is she going to do with that character at this point? But at the time, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 crazy because it's just, I'm trying to think of an actor or actress who could just go, again, comedy albums were more of a thing, but to do a weird, not weird, but just to do an art piece out of nowhere. Sort yeah. Of. I mean, Eric I, Bogosian, I don't know if you've ever listened to Eric mm-mm. Bogosian. Um, he was a big deal in like the 80s, mm-hmm. but he was more like the sort of Lenny Bruce monologist. Sure, 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 sure. You know, or yeah. Dennis Leary. Or, mm-hmm. um, but Eric was, uh, jo- um, oh, John Leguizamo. Oh, yeah. He too, like he has that influence on me, like Whoopi and Lily and Gilda. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why some, that form speaks to some people more than others, mm-hmm. but it just i don't know i'm just fascinated by people who can just stand up there and just totally be somebody else right um but i mean you've you've done i mean but you've biographically done it right when when you were when you did judy garland oh sure yeah yeah i mean i think that's why i did really love it so much Mm -hmm. um uh and it was sort of accidental like a friend of mine in college I was like, oh my god, you have to watch the Judy Garland variety show from CBS. And I was okay. like, what are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> Judy was Dorothy. <laughs> I didn't know she did anything else after that. Sure, yeah. Um, I was such a Jersey girl. <laughs> um, and uh, like, if culture was a body part, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I would have been like blatantly missing. Like, a hu- <laughs> there would have been a huge cavity next to my liver. Um, but despite that, you know, I do this, and uh, yeah. Um, Oh, wait a minute. I just totally had a brain fart. What were we... <laughs> Judy Garland. Judy doing, Garland. You doing that was your such show, a Judy yeah. moment that I had just now. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he sort of showed me that mm-hmm. TV series and those sort of comeback years where she's the torch singer yeah. and she's up again and she's down again and she's up. And I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I really latched on to that. And mm-hmm. uh, just it was a full-on obsession. Yeah. And the nice part about that actually is I tend to be very, um, although I am not, technically on the spectrum mm-hmm. as they say now yeah um i love that <laughs> fucking love that it's like the, it's gonna be on the dating profile soon um but uh, asperger's check um but uh yeah i just i tend to be a little bit like add and like my creative eyes are bigger than my creative stomach sure. so, so i just i want to do everything now i get it yeah and um me. i'm sure and <laughs> And uh, for some reason, at that point, I think this might have been right after 9-11, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my response to 9-11 was to mount uh, two solo shows simultaneously. Shit. That's the way I deal with stress. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, I'm fine! I'm fine! <laughs> okay, so Judy Garland, here we go! Um, but uh, 
But for some reason, I was finally able to just get that sort of tunnel vision that I think is sometimes necessary. Yeah. Especially when you're like trying to not just be somebody that you've made up, but somebody that, you know, you kind of want to honor at the same time. Yeah. Truthful. And I just, I like, yeah, ate, slept, breathed, drank, fucked. Like I just was, (laughs) it was Judy 24 seven. Yeah. And and I really, I, I discovered I really liked doing the research. Okay. Um, which, you know, if anybody had come up to me in high school and said, like, yeah, hey, want to do a research paper? <laughs> Super fun. Um, but it was it was really kind of great. I mean, and somebody like Judy Garland is, is so huge and so layered and everything that you can kind of just keep digging in. It's like archaeology, you know what I mean? There's yeah. just another layer underneath it. So, um, so yeah, and... Uh, I think I was I was I was telling you before the um, the gorgeous Yeti microphone that we're speaking into is turned on um, that uh, I may be doing some Judy Garland live here in LA soon. We'll see. I hope so. That's awesome. More to be revealed. You know the thing too is like I, I we're talking about this album in terms of really wonderful immersive performances like on on her part and then on like you know thank you very much for doing that because we get very heavily immersed into it. But it's really, really tightly written, too. Yes. That's another thing, too, that I think maybe I wasn't appreciating while I was listening to it. It's just her word choice and everything. Like, it's the, it's just uh, it's just really brilliantly written monologues. Very Just the language is not too flowery. It's written perfectly for each character. She's in and out. Like, there's obviously there's no fourth wall, but she's got to be writing about herself thinking back about imagining this while she's already in another situation. It's kind of, it's heavily layered in that way too. It is. And it's funny, like you just mentioned the fourth wall and Mm -hmm. that's a good point because on the one hand, the only time she breaks the fourth wall, I think officially is she says she comes out and there's this huge applause and she says, well, thanks a lot. (laughs) Or something like that. Yeah. Or no, she goes, she doesn't say thanks a lot. She says, well, thank you a lot. And it's such a weird way to start, and they kind of don't get it. They're just like, you're welcome. But she kind of laughs at the weirdness of how she said it. Yeah. Put your shoes on. That insurance man will be here. We don't need nobody around here after supper. Too late. Where are you going, Lud? I'm going in the kitchen to get me some more of that good old cake. I thought you didn't like this cake. I thought you liked that other kind of cake. That cake with the icing. Young lady! Young lady! I want that screaming stop this minute, do you hear me? Look, Marie, you got that little bumpy place up under your chin. You must have got my rash. Oh, I couldn't have. I didn't even eat any of that cake. even say the word hush in my own house that just takes the hush she's her voice is so beautiful too mm-hmm. oh, thank you a lot <laughs> um but then even though she's not breaking the fourth wall and turning to the audience and kind of snidely saying like and then when i was five i moved to idaho right. you know and uh, as we all do of course move to idaho um <laughs> but she but it's weird. There's like almost like uh, an understanding that she's breaking the fourth wall the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Like 
the audience and her are both in on the fact that this isn't really happening. Sure. And, you know, I don't know. There's, I guess it's something like there's the family sort of scenes mm-hmm. where I feel like the, the fourth wall does really go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when that's down, there's sort of this these weird sort of more, um, I don't know, just sort of regular monologues where yeah. it, it, the, there's no... You know, trying to pretend that she's not in front of an audience on a stage talking. Sure, sure, yeah. But, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's, and it doesn't, it's not weird. It's just great. Is there a character or a moment or just like a track on this whole album that stands out to you is one that you remember the most or love the most? Uh, well, I love, Tell Miss Sweeney Goodbye is the best yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember at one point I actually uh, transcripted, transcripted, transcribed. Uh-huh. Um, transcribed um, that monologue uh, by hand. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm going to do this in auditions. Of course, of course. I'm going to break out. I'm going to do something weird and different. (laughs) But it is really, you know, so beautiful. And I remember I had a teacher, Mrs. Sherman. Mm -hmm. And I guess if I had known what gay was back then, like Mm -hmm. I, maybe I would be like, oh, maybe I'm gay. You know, but I just wanted to be Mrs. Sherman. I wanted to be around Mrs. Sherman. I just, she was so beautiful and sparkly and smart (laughs) and pretty. And, uh, and she just captures that. And, and I love that it has that, like, it's this little girl talking about Mm -hmm. her teacher. Yeah. And she's like, when I put that dress on, I felt like, you know. Loretta, what is it? Loretta. Um, oh shit! What does she say? Loretta Dunn. No. I can't remember the name she says, but yeah. Loretta Young. Yeah, I look like Loretta Young in it. <laughs> um, but and you know that too. It is. You're right. It's such great writing because I I do remember as a kid like having this dress that was like had raggedy in and had a little zipper and then you open it up and it said I love you and it had little cherries on it and I was like <laughs> I look so beautiful right now <laughs> like and you know and then you learn you get that beaten out of you to like don't don't say that <laughs> um, but she just it's so perfect in every way but then on the flip side uh, is um, Lud and Marie meet Dracula's daughter <laughs> um, if you have parents mm-hmm <laughs> you will relate to that. 100%. Just when that, you know, I got that different kind of cake. <laughs> what kind of cake? That cake with that different icing you like. Like she's just, oh. And I, and I think it's especially, I, I would almost say it's better to hear the album without having seen her do any of this. Yeah, yeah. Like with your eyeballs. Because mm-hmm. um, it just makes it so sort of mysterious. Sure. And, uh, and she does use audio so well. Yeah, I mean, there's sound effects, and I almost wonder if partially sometimes she was acting to recordings of herself for some of it, because there's, I mean, at the very I, least, it's, I bet you're right. You yeah. know, like some of it's obviously edited to like, oh, this person's far. There's like some stereo editing. It makes it sound really nice. Like actually, for instance, on the other side, the the one with the teacher, there is a line at the end because uh, either way, she jumps in front of a truck at the end. It's a very, it's just, it's a dram- over dramatic bit. And then there's somebody in the background. That I think might even be another actor because there are a few people that aren't her that says, oh, uh, what's the teacher's name again? It's uh, oh Miss Sweeney. Sweeney. Yes, get Miss Sweeney. That's her favorite pupil. That's what somebody says <laughs> yes, in the very yes, background. Yes, yes, I yes, love yes. that line so much so that like all these characters are informed by this little kid's what's in her brain and it's so beautifully perfect and I related to that 100% but yeah that's exactly right there's that shit in the background that's it's really well put together so I don't know ah yeah it, it's better I think and, than... and even the announcer in the beginning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it like 
if somebody redid this album today, mm-hmm. that would be Andy Daly. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I would cast that part with Andy Daly with, without a hesitation. Yeah. Um, it's almost as if like it's there's this weird like she's put up a fifth wall like it's yes! the idea that like Lily Tomlin on stage is actually a show of Lily Tomlin on stage and I think that might that's be part exactly of the concept. That's exactly what it is. You know, I, that's what I was trying to voice, but failing miserably to do so. <laughs> but it is. It's like there's a fourth wall and a fifth wall and a sixth wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then she yeah she kind of lets them down and you're like oh I'm yeah. privileged. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's it's just great uh, to to listen to these again, yeah. and um, you know, I think sometimes I have a hard time like enjoying comedy, right? Um, you know, because it's like a plumber kind of going home and playing with a bunch of pipes, and mm-hmm. um, but I I gotta get over that because <laughs> I remember even last night I was just kind of flipping through the channels and I you know. I accidentally stumbled upon some comedy and I was like, <laughs> you know, don't make me think about my career. <laughs> um, but it, it was like Conan O'Brien doing a show for um, a bunch of the soldiers. Oh, yeah, for, yeah. And I just like, I just genuinely laughed as, like I used to when I was little and saw these weird people telling these funny stories. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just so grateful, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I forget that people need to do that. And... It's such a, it's such a shame that so many really really funny people. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not talking about myself here, <laughs> but like genuine like super funny people, and I know you know these guys. You're probably the same. Like a lot of comedy writers I know, if you say something funny, they'll just be like, "That's hilarious. <laughs> That's incredibly funny what you just said right now." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it looks like I just got hit with a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to cut off my arm right now. Yeah. Like it's so they have this weird clinical <laughs> i can get that way yeah. I, yeah i try not to though i mean I, I think maybe this podcast has helped with that though over five years like i was almost the same way and then i realized oh shit there's so many things that i haven't heard of and been able to laugh at you know yeah i mean i have now probably 400 albums sitting around and i've heard 30 or 40 of them like yeah, you know yeah, all the yeah. like several times at least and there's a couple in there that i've definitely had to listen to but you know again like i had this and wanted to listen to it when would i have listened to it unless you asked to do it on the show yeah and it's yeah and when would i have pulled it out of its dusty corner right right um, and you know and i forget too like i uh right out of college i waitressed at uh the improv the old the original uh-huh. improv in new york city um and at another club called Stand Up New York. And so I got exposed to like a lot of comedy every night mm-hmm. um, while serving drinks. And uh, yeah, so that too, it's like you're just kind of running around like putting french fries down on a table mm-hmm. and stuff. But even then, like I still had such awe and such admiration for, you know, for what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is fun to kind of just put a record on and have it in the, I don't know, have it on the back. I love, she has I Love Lucy on the record, too. I know, I love that. That's I, kind of a neat meta sort of. In two tracks, right? Two separate tracks that, like, it kind of carries through mm-hmm. her life as something that it was always, that's a weird, that, that's another interesting thing, too, and it's kind of a perfect metaphor what we were talking about earlier, is that, like, TV's always on in the background, but, like, that's the first TV show that has never, literally never gone off the air since it first aired. Yeah. You know, as soon as reruns existed, Lucy was on somewhere everywhere. And it's like, it is this weird thing that that's a little piece that I don't think will ever go out of style as long as reruns and TV are a thing. Yeah, you yeah. You know? Like, there are these little bits and pieces that I can pick out. And also, like, how... 
how incredibly insightful she was into a decade that was not yet 10 years ago. I know. Ago. I know how is I would that I was struck by that too. Like, like how is she so wise about this stuff yeah. before it's even over? Right. Like uh, she's she's making fun of while also remembering what it was like to protest or want to protest. But she's also like some of the shit we were protesting was stupid because we were dumb teenagers. Like you don't often hear that. But also at the same time, she's not like it's not like in three years she's gonna be. Uh, a giant Republican sellout because of, you know what I mean? Like, she's somewhere in the middle. She's like, I remember these times. They weren't right, as great right. as I thought they would be. And I do like that she just career wise has sort of, it seems, continued to walk this line of yeah. not selling out to AT&T, mm-hmm. but not kind of going away into some commune and, you know, disappearing mm. forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she, so she still does, you know, work and. And she's still respected, and she's still loved by young people, yeah. and she's still remembered by the older people, and um, so she's just, yeah. My That would be a bucket list thing for me, is to get to work with her someday. Of course, of course. And I've she, also heard she's really nice. I have a few that's, friends who that's met the other her, thing too, and she yeah. was just incredibly sweet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Don't be fooled online, people, by those videos of her arguing with David O. Russell. That's just because, from what I hear, David O. Russell's a giant cock. Oh yeah, that was. I heard that was really. It's really bad. tough, but it's like them. Like it's her having to bite back at this guy who just is impossible to work with. That was a good video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, the same thing too is like she's a tough lady. Like I she, feel like you know? every young girl who says like I want to be an actress. <laughs> Deal. Watch this first. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. If you can hold your own yeah. with David O. Russell, like Lily Tom, this is what you do. Yep. Yep. Watch Lily and learn. I'd sit at that first desk in row three for hours trying to figure out that monogram. I knew the big S stood for Sweeney, and I just had to know what her first name was, little M, little A. And one day when I should have been coloring Lake Michigan blue... <laughs> I peeped up and I saw Miss Sweeney reach inside her cashmere sweater. My heart stopped. As I watched the shape of her hand move slowly under little M, big S, little A. I didn't have breasts yet. I was only seven. But I knew that when I did, I would feel about mine exactly the way Miss Sweeney felt about hers. That day, I walked her to her car for the first time. What is it that you wanted to ask me, Lily? Is your first name Margaret Ann? Oh, how did you guess? It was just a hunch. Could I call you Margaret Ann? Well, I think you'd better call me Miss Sweeney. Yeah, okay. Well, at least in front of the other children. See you tomorrow, Margaret. In my mind, we were friends. True, she was taller. (laughs) Almost three feet. But they didn't let kids wear high heels to school in those days. Like, honestly, like, that's the other thing, too, is, like, you listen to this album, even if you know even a little bit more about her life, it's not like she ever in any way deals with being gay or having to keep it, you know, at least a little bit quiet. It was like an open secret in the 70s, but at the very, like, she doesn't talk, so we know she went through a lot more shit than is on here, of course, but she's picked and chosen these just very, not necessarily light, but like, she's been very careful about what she wants us to hear. It's still like really emotionally poignant, but like, again, none of it's really tragic, except, except, no, with her, her father passing away, which is a really emotional part of the album. Yes. 
Although she does say, like, you know, we were so touched when you played the I Love Lucy theme on the organ. <laughs> yes. it's, um, it's great. Yeah. I mean, and it is, it's an interesting angle on, like, and I so applaud anybody who has the courage to, you know, sort of come out or come clean or mm-hmm. just share something that they're, you know, having a hard time with. But it, it was a, it was a different time then. Like, sure. uh it's it's interesting that she didn't yeah she didn't hide it mm-hmm. but she yeah then again I do I I would imagine I can't be sure of this but I would imagine it would have not been as difficult for a woman maybe to I don't know to be less I just wonder if men were sort of it was more obvious if they were with another man I don't know <clears throat> maybe yeah I don't know that's a good point um, so actually you know. If you were going, have you done any, like, autobiographical monologues yourself or anything like yeah. that? Yeah. Have you? <laughs> the look on your face implies it. Yeah, lately a lot. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. that And that's been very weird and different mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I think it was around the same time that uh, when I said, like, 9-11, I, I was doing this Judy Garland show I wrote called mm-hmm. Judy Speaks. And at the same time, I was like, and I'm also going to do an autobiographical solo show. Okay, so that was the other one. Um, okay, yeah. wow. Um, and that was hard. It was like, oh, this is too soon. This mm-hmm. is too soon. Okay. You know, um, tragedy plus time, mm-hmm. uh, needed more time. And, and so, uh, right now I, um, I have a half hour script that I wrote with a really great, uh, writer named Jacob Mazeros. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, uh, it's basically all about like my mom and just weird, crazy stories of, mm-hmm. of growing up and, um, and I love to play that character of my mother. And um, it's uh, it's really interesting. It was a really interesting transition going from like, you know, no, I'm an old Italian grandmother. What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> to having sort of the, the whatever, the, I don't know, the, the I don't know what to get on stage and be like, I'm going to tell you stuff that actually is about me. Yeah. And you might like it you might not and that's okay right um that t- always terrified me of like how dare you stand on a stage and expect me to be interested in what you know it actually happened to you um but it was a really freeing experience to try and say like i don't care yeah yeah if this bums you out or if this makes you angry or if this makes you happy yeah like of course i care sure but I'm willing to not care yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> enough to do it and have it suck and then do it the next time and have it be a little better. And then, sure. you know, and unfortunately, yeah, that's the way you have to do live theater is you cannot do it without the audience and right. without making a total idiot out of yourself. <laughs> and, um, but that's been like kind of really satisfying and very weirdly grown up yeah. um, is, is doing autobiographical stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a trip. Um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> it make this makes me think like uh, there's that credit on there for Roberta Klein, which I need to look up, right? <laughs> uh, but because he did an out al- his album was Child of the Fifties, so he's got an album that's this perspective, uh, his perspective of what the fifties was like growing up. She's got the sixties. I'm sure there. Are, I'm sure we can find one for each decade. From I would say Richard Pryor would probably be seventies. That's true. Yeah, there's there's all. But I don't know. I don't well, know how like sort of. That's a good question. How like sort of like uh, contextualized or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Like these. This seems to really 
just wrap itself in like a 60s blanket. Definitely. But it's, I don't know if Richard Pryor's... I have... Cent, what is this? Bicentennial? I mm-hmm. can't remember what the title is, but... Uh, I own a Richard Pryor album. <laughs> All right. <laughs> NAACP. <laughs> don't look at me like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know who would be 70s and who would be 80s. And- yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, too. Is like she's talking about, like, I mean, I guess what I was saying is more specifically of, like, what it was like to grow up in said era. You know, like, so she, her talking about the 60s, but it also makes me think, I'll bet there's a male comedian who's done the same thing, and I would be curious to find out, like, if there are any parallels mm. in terms, like, I just, I'd just be curious to see what a dude's version of this would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because, honestly, we don't have enough, we don't talk about enough female comedians on this show, and it's not on purpose, it's based on who I pick. But who I pick, obviously, it, 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 you go look at the website. It has been a lot of dudes and not on purpose, but, I, you know, it's something I'm trying to change. And that's why I feel like I would love, I, I honestly would like people to just, like, email me more. So people, just email me, Jason at Comedy Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely will. Like, um, and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not easy to, you know, do a 50-50 split on, you know, comedy albums sure. with, with women and men. Um, I'm just trying to think, like, maybe... I almost picked Bob Newhart, um, mm-hmm. the button-down... Button-down button down mind? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess he's probably 50s as well. He's probably mm-hmm. more child of the 50s. Yeah, 50s, 40s even, probably. And he's, he's not even... Again, he's more, I don't know, not conceptual, but he's, he's d- not doing, I think, the same kind right, of... Right, yeah, his own thing, like these in little individual sketches. Um, so, okay... So we've gone over your favorite bits of this album. Did you? Did, was this something? Did you share this with your family at all, or is this just you? It's just your I don't thing. Think so yeah. Well, you said was... you, you discovered it in college, so I yeah, guess you yeah. probably wouldn't have been at home. Um, and it was just—it was like I remember just feeling like this is what I want to be when mm-hmm. I grow up. This is what I want to do. Um, and it was really great. Like God bless that she was there, and Gilda was there, and Whoopi was yeah. there, and Carol Burnett was there to kind of give us this like you, you this is kind of how it might look yeah. if you did it you know yeah um doesn't have to but because uh i didn't know what to call it you know mm-hmm. it was just kind of me like goofing around in the living room right or shutting the door and talking into a tape recorder yeah um and uh yeah um it's interesting like there's there's something very i almost i would wager to say that female comedy albums have more of like a privacy element to them mm-hmm. of I don't know. Like, Virginia Woolf is big on this of, like, women have to kind of sneak into a room and do something to, like, sure. I'm just going to have a little bit of me time for a second. Just mm-hmm. Watch him! You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't even have kids, but I'm, I remember as a kid, um, if I did kind of make up characters or dance or sing or whatever it was, it was, like, when nobody was home. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, clearing the furniture out and, like, staking the territory. Yeah. You know? Um and so I like that. Maybe I wonder if that's part of women kind of really doing that great sort of immersion and monologuing and just kind of transporting them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's a real escapism to that's it. That's a really good point, yeah. I'm super smart. You are super smart. No, but like it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's not dissimilar to my own experience, which is why I think I relate to it so well. You, you don't remotely have to be a woman to love this, obviously, but like... I, I, that's obviously a perspective I'm not going to have, like, just, like, you have to keep, 
God damn it, you have to keep so much secret, especially then. Again, she's revealing so much of her soul, but doesn't really... Go, she's only got to hint that she's gay. That's all she really gets to hint yeah, at and talk yeah. about her. But also, I mean, the other thing about that, though, is like, that's not an uncommon experience, I think, for most kids. You know, like, you can have a crush on whoever you're going to have a crush on, and you don't really feel ashamed about it. Right. Until, you know, somebody later tells you you want to be. Um, right, right. And, I, yeah, I don't know. I just love... They're very universal. Even though she's talking about a period of time I will never understand. Mm-hmm. She's talking from a perspective I will never specifically understand. But, it, but again, like like you said, the parents... That's everybody's parents yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah. I, I really love, I love Stop that. Stop talking about cake! <laughs> I love that. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it just I escalates. Want that, I want that, like, t-shirt. Just a huge screaming head. <laughs> Stop talking about that fucking cake! Man, you know, that's, you know, it's a weird little thing, but some of the best comedy bits of some of my favorite comedians have involved cake. That's very odd. Cake is funny. Her, Eddie Izzard, and Paul F. Tompkins all have very great bits about cake. I do not know Paul F. Tompkins' bit about cake. Hey, it's cake versus pie. Oh, okay, well yeah, that's... that's what it's called, and it's very that's... much... He doesn't do it anymore, but yeah, it's a fantastic bit. Because, I, I mean, I feel like that's almost like an urban legend, an <laughs> urban comedy legend, is mm-hmm. cake versus pie. It's yeah. not a, a, an urban legend, but I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. yeah, But, but it's everybody's there. kind of like, it's just code or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he's, he's done it, and it's good. It's very funny. Like, I almost think if you walked into a hotel somewhere in a strange city and just kind of said, everybody, cake or pie? <laughs> like, you would find your people. <laughs> We go to the moon and what do the astronauts do? They collect rocks. They lope around like they are stoned. They hit a golf ball and they plant a flag. Right now there is a flag and a golf ball on the moon. I mean, is this happening or is it the hash? I should be watching this with my parents. Daddy must be so proud of this country right now. What, mother? Yes, we're watching. Is daddy? He's watching. All that technology to get to the moon, and what did we do? We played golf. Oh, inside, inside. That's what we should have done. We went to Vietnam. We should have played golf. Oh, I hope I can remember this tomorrow. Let's say somebody like me only knows Lily Tomlin from movies, or actually her Netflix show is really good. I really like it. I don't know if you've seen it. I have not seen it. It's really good. Uh, she's the best part. Of Wait, it. No, is that the one with uh, Jane Fonda? Yeah. I feel like they didn't pick it up or something. I thought I, from what I heard, there's a season two. I could oh, be good, good, good. Okay. I could be wrong, but the first season's really great. You get to watch Lily Tomlin play Getting High, and it's one of the funniest things I've she ever seen. She must be a huge stoner. She There's has like to be. marijuana references <laughs> in almost everything this she does. too. And yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so good in it. It's, I really like this show. Like, it took a second to, to pick up, but it's really good. And um, so let's say somebody only knows her from her acting. What's a good reason to listen to this album first? I think uh, because of just the key word there, like, listen. Yeah. Um, to just sort of be there with her in this sort of like space land of audio mm-hmm. is um, I don't know I just think there's nothing like it. It makes you have to be more I guess engaged and it 
to me, like, it really does sound like she's kind of just doing it for you. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're both kind of in on it yeah. together. Um, so, it's, it's just so different from her TV stuff. Because it's just her. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are so few actors that that have been able to do this, you know, in the traditional sort of forums that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jane, I mean... Lily is really funny just playing one character, mm-hmm. but to see her switch like in a nanosecond <laughs> yeah. from these totally opposite uh, voices and there's no like shaky adjustment time or, right. oh, whoops, my accent slipped. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just she flips a switch and it's like digital editing. Yeah. It's like that sharp. And that to me is what you really get from this is like... There's no like, oh, she just changed into somebody. It's just <laughs> like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, my God. Who's that person? Right. Um, and they're just all there in the room. And I think especially because you're just listening to it, it makes it even more believable. Yeah. Because you're just hearing a bunch of people in this room. They just all happen to be her. Yeah. Um, it's Yeah, it's just wild. Because that's kind of a crazy person, if you think about it. Right. right. Like, yeah. on some level, she's mm-hmm. just kind of in a room talking to herself you know as like six different people mm-hmm. screaming you know <laughs> different genders different ages uh-huh. um but uh but she makes it work you know and i think um, i think one of the things it's got going for it too to that exact end is that like there's some comedians who if you hear like i love early eddie murphy you know i just i try and ignore the homophobic stuff uh my shoe <laughs> Sorry. But, like, you can hear, because he's a 22-year-old on stage, he's working some shit out. Anytime he does a bit about his dad, he's working shit out. Mm. Her, she, while she's, like, like the rest of us, she's perfectly human, she's got a lot of stuff worked out. So she doesn't sound like she's doing psychology, yeah. psychiatry on stage, you know? Yeah, it you know? does. And I wonder if some of that is, like you said, because it is, you forget that it's it's so well scripted that it sounds like it's not scripted. Yeah. Um. But it is. It's almost formal in the mm-hmm. way it's theater, you mm-hmm. know, with like a capital T. And yet it's just so well done. And she's so, yeah, fucking wise mm-hmm. for being that sort of early on in her life. Right. Yeah. Relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, she is not working shit out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, just got this, like, legal pad here. I'm just going right. to try a couple of shit out. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, so that's not a winner. <laughs> None of that. I would love to see somebody do a one-person show that's exactly that. Just the legal pet pretend they're just... War- but it's totally scripted. But <laughs> Call like, it that's Type just- B. <laughs> All right, so that one doesn't work. Okay, fuck it. Like, tear it off the... F- you know, that'd be fantastic. Um, what do you have to promote? Is there anything coming up? I cannot guarantee when this is coming out. I'm so sorry, so I don't oh, no, know. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Uh, tonight at 9 o'clock. No, um, <laughs> trying to think. I mean... Oh, I'm doing uh, Villain de Blanks. Uh, on Leap Day. Okay. That may have already passed by the time people listen to Possibly. this. Possibly. We'll see. But it's at Rockwell <laughs> Stage, which is a great venue. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. It's basically live Mad Libs. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, all the actors are on stage. And we, we go out in the audience uh, beforehand. And we have these blanks in our scripts that we have to fill with, like, you know, an adverb. Jesus. Okay. You would be amazed how few people know what an adverb is. Oh, no. <laughs> know what a fucking noun is. No. I was, I was weeping. <laughs> um, but, still, 
Uh, it's really fun because you just sit up on stage and all of a sudden you look down and you know you have to kind of make it Holy work. Holy crap! Yeah. Um, and this one is going to be like a sort of a sci-fi space film that we're acting out. Awesome. Um, so that's going to be really fun. Uh, February 29th at Rockwell, Villain de Blanks. Um, and there's other stuff too, but right now I can't think of what it is. Okay. And there's one thing I can't say yet because right. I haven't officially finished working it out. Understood. But. Um, <laughs> Lots to lots to explore. Uh, please, uh, if you have enjoyed my voice on this program, uh, you can go to Mary Birdsong uh, on Twitter, twitter.com slash Mary Birdsong. I'm really into Vine. Mm-hmm. Here's what I can promote. Okay. Because it's going to be all year long. I decided yesterday that I would be doing a different character every day for an entire year Jesus. on Vine. Oh, my God. Which is daunting, but come uh-huh. on, it's like six and a half seconds sure, a sure. day. Um, so, uh, and I'm actually sort of really excited about the challenge of it. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's, it's getting me back. I think part of me doing that, honestly, I have you to thank because (laughs) getting like, you know, back into the sort of Lily Tomlin head Mm -hmm. has made me remember how much I love doing that kind of work. Sure. Sure. You know, and again, like unless you're in the groundlings or something, it's like, well, where do you go with that? Right. You just walk around the bus station and pretend to be other people. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you're a homeless person. Those are your options. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I'm really obsessed with vine these days. Mm -hmm. I am probably 25 years too old to be on vine, (laughs) which they love to remind me. (laughs) Boy, the kids today. Oh God. Wow. Uh huh. They are mean. (laughs) Oh, shit. And I don't take it. Like, I don't just sure. go like, you know, well, fuck up <laughs> or delete them or, you know, I, I like I totally lecture them mm-hmm. and write them a long letter. And I'm like, you're better than this. <laughs> and they don't know what to fucking do. And they're like, I'm sorry, ma'am. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, you know, I love it. I, love I totally it. give them tough love. Uh-huh. Like, Look, you can make a difference in this world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you really want to sit here and talk about my skanky cut? Like what? <laughs> That's the best you can do today? Kid? Yeah. Like, yeah. no. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so please, it's uh, vine.co for some reason. Interesting. Okay. Vine.co. Mm-hmm. Not an M at the end. Vine.co uh, slash Mary Birdsong. Um, and just uh, spread the love, spread the warmth, mm-hmm. and the joy, and the mirth, mm-hmm. and all of that. <laughs> um, yeah. And look, and, and I am going to form i'm saying it here a fully functioning creative collective communal think tank it's going to be called kibbutz awesome and it's going to have a stage and it's going to have a tv studio mm-hmm. and it's going to have a garden all right and I it's like going to have a thrift shop mm-hmm. and a bar cafe all right and maybe a classroom <laughs> you guys can come to the open house that sounds good and we I'll can do all it. put up our stuff that we want to do mm-hmm. and and It'll be our space, so we don't even have to worry if we sell three tickets. Yeah, I love it. That's love my plan. It. Good. You should. Not enough people doing stuff like that. Yeah. You know? I love it. Um, I don't really have anything to promote, because, again, I don't know when this is coming out. But I will say, just check out StolenDress.com, because you will see... Just look for Looking Forward on StolenDress.com. I think I'm going to have a tab up there. That's the sequel to a movie that I did in 2012, but it is a sequel in vlog form from 14 or 15 different characters. So there's not really any narrative except these different characters commenting on a narrative that you don't really get to see. Yay! It's I'm in StolenDress.com. Yep, that, yep, that is the production company website, but that is where you will also be able to see um, this weird version of a movie sequel. Um, well, first of all, thank you for being here. 
Thank you. And thank you for making me listen to Lily Tomlin for the first time. And thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza, I'm Alan Rickert. Your last name is Rickert? And we are the hosts of Dispatches, Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. I, this is Jason again. I host the well-reputed... Reputed. This is Alan. Reputed, Comedy on Vinyl podcast, as well as some others. Alan, though. I've been on some podcasts, also I'm an actor, and have been for nigh on several years. The important part, though, is that while we're close friends, we found a bond when we discovered that we both loved the greatest sitcom of the 90s. Possibly of all time. I won't refute that. The podcast will go through the entire series, from episode one to episode 97. We'll be talking with other fans of the show, people who worked on the show, and you. That's right. Starting today, well, a while ago, but you only knew about it today, you can email your questions about the show, and I'm not kidding here, to freakzilla at scopenet.com. Ah. That's right. We'll either try to get the answers for you ourselves or direct from the people who put the show together. It's a dream come true. You can also call and leave a voicemail for us at 646-801-WNYX. If it's relevant or funny or even stupid, as long as it's news radio related, you have a good chance of it getting played on the show. So please, follow us on Twitter at WNYX News Radio or like us on Facebook.com slash News Radio Podcast. In the coming weeks, basically, once we get some important people to sit down and record with us, we'll announce the launch of our first episode. But what if they think this is the first episode? If, if they do, they insult not only me, but also my cane. That's my episode. You can't own an episode. That is my favorite. Mine too, and like everybody else's. This one I like, I keep. This one displeases me. Coming soon on the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. All of this talk of aged lunch meat and ghost has made me peckish. Equally dumb closing quote. God damn it, Alan. <laughs>